Is it possible to know where you are in the process of rebirth? Swedenborg learned that really God is the one who reforms us, and the phases we go through relate to our acceptance of that truth. We explore the phases of rebirth right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Knock, knock, Jonathan, it's Chelsea Odner here, and... This is Curtis, Jonathan, come on, just let us in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just open up. But as long as it doesn't take long. We promise. Yeah, we'll, we'll be out of here in a few hours. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing my cards close, because actually, it's the best part of my day when you guys show up. Oh. Well, we love you, and we love getting to hear what... It is that you've come across in your editing work, and so I'm so excited to hear what topics we're going to be exploring this week. As usual, we have no idea. Yeah, it's kind of a strange setup. Why don't you guys know what I'm going to say? I don't know how this works. <laughs> we're not spiritually <laughs> evolved enough for that yet. We'll get there. People want reality programming, so this is reality programming. That's right. This, this is as real as it gets, that's for sure. The... Um, The three passages that I picked out this time from Secrets of Heaven, Volume 4, have to do with the phases of our rebirth. And this is obviously a topic of great interest to Swedenborg. Apologies if these quotes are just a little bit on the long side, but I think you'll be interested in, because they kind of lay out stages and also get to, especially the second and third quote, get to when could you consider yourself reborn? Like, is there kind of a cusp in there or a transition point that you can identify? And I think that's that's really interesting. Let's go. I knew I should have brought my sleeping bag. I'll be so cozy down here for these long readings. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so this first quotation talks about an interesting facet of rebirth, which is that the whole time we're being reborn, the Lord is the one really doing the work, but our attitude or acceptance of whether that's the case or not goes through what Swedenborg ultimately describes as four stages. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it's framed on this interesting exchange between Abraham. Abraham has the uh, unfortunate circumstance that his wife dies while they're sojourning. They're, they're not at home. And so he goes to Ephron the Hittite to buy a field to bury her in. And it, there, there's a great little parley-vous between the two of them. And at some point, uh, Abraham offers to buy it, and Ephron says, no, I'll just, I'll just give it to you. And Swedenborg has a very interesting explanation of what that means. Ephron said, the field I give you and the cave that is in it, to you I give it. These words meant that they wanted to prepare themselves on their own. I should pause and say that Swedenborg explains that Ephron is people who are new to this spirituality or, or religion. You know, they haven't been part of something like this before, mm -hmm. and so they're new to it. And these words meant that they wanted to prepare themselves on their own so far as the requirements of religion and faith went, or in other words, to reform themselves. This is what the first stage is like for people who are reforming. 
When they learn more truth or more about the faith, however, they reach a second stage in which they agree to let the Lord reform them, but still want to do it themselves. <laughs> that is the stage the current verse focuses on. And pause. Uh, that's why Ephron says, look, I'll give, I will give you the field. You know, it's mine to give. I'll give it to you. A third stage is soon depicted in which they really believe that the Lord reforms them. The reasons why they still want to reform themselves, even when they progress in their knowledge of truth or faith and acknowledge that the Lord does it, are these. The cloud of ignorance breaks up only gradually. It takes time to confirm and strengthen the truth. As goodness is perfected, and goodness is perfected as we absorb knowledge of the truth. Real goodness, which forms the receiving ground for truth, enables us not only to acknowledge, but even to believe that the Lord is the one who reforms us. This stage is the third, and a fourth follows it. We actually perceive that the Lord does the reforming. There are not many who reach this stage during bodily life, because it is an angelic one, this one of perception. But people who have been reborn enter it in the other world. Mm. It was like the extra stuff paid off. I was so glad when you said that there would be reasons and examples given there. Yes, and I I love that the, I don't know, there's something sort of like a relief to know that kind of like you're doing great or things are going well if you maybe really do believe that the Lord is the one reforming you, and yet you still don't perceive that. You know, like that's kind of like as good as it gets. And so that can feel so kind of um, fake at times because we are so thoroughly in the experience of feeling like we're doing all of this ourselves. Uh, And yet sort of like, well, if if you believe it, maybe you'll get a little glimpse of it every once in a while, but really that's not sort of the that's not the way it's going to be for the most part when you're in this world. And so there's something kind of comforting about that to me. (laughs) Mm. And it sets the bar high that, um, you know, chances are we're not going to get to stage four while we're alive in this world. A a few might, but getting to the point and who knows what that's like to actually perceive it as if you can see what's going on behind the scenes. I know. You know, uh, that's a cool thought. And yet, if we start the work here, it sounds like we'll get there. Yes. You read the kind of between stage three and four, you read all this stuff about goodness becoming perfected and right through truth and all it like, I know we're sort of like covering that ground pretty quick, but I was like, oh man, wait, what? You know, there was something in there. I don't know <laughs> if I can bring it back, but it was like how you get from stage, you know, from stage to stage. And I thought that that was really interesting, but kind of went by too yes. fast for me to capture it. Yeah, that's right. It is. It, it's so characteristic of Swedenborg's writing, I think, that once you really develop an appetite, you're like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. What did you just say there? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. And goodness is perfected as we absorb knowledge of the truth and real goodness forms the receiving ground for truth. That's what it was. Yeah. So I love this. I love the way, I mean, I've really, it's really grown on me that he will pause and kind of, look, I want to give you an overview of the whole process right here. Mm -hmm. 
and it might have a different number of stages in it than another time that he'll talk about it. But he'll still break, look, here's how we're going. We're going from here, going to there. And so it gives you some idea maybe of where you are on, on that path, even though that doesn't seem to be the main point. Yeah, and it's all on the path, right? Like you're on the path. I just think that's really sweet too to think of, uh, you know, all of us at different stages or like times in our lives entering on that path in a new way. You know, that's just like an exciting time. This next passage also gets into kind of signs of where you are in the rebirth process. And it also relates to an interesting phenomenon that comes up way more in Scripture than it does in quote-unquote real life, which is that so often uh, lead characters, especially women, are barren or barren for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and what you would think is way past the age to have a child, and then they'll have a child in their old age and so on. And um, so Swedenborg talks uh, about this. With human beings, the case is this. When we're being reborn, the Lord instills goodness, benevolence toward our neighbor, into our rational mind— so you remember that he says that we have a rational mind and we have an earthly mind. And so mm. this is going into a deeper part of ourselves. The Lord is instilling goodness in that deeper part. And into this benevolence or goodness, he introduces truth brought up out of our earthly self. At that point, our earthly level has not yet been reborn. And we can recognize the fact Oh, this will be interesting. How, how can you recognize that, that fact, that your earthly level has not been reborn? But we can recognize the fact from our inner or rational self's frequent battles with our outward or earthly self. <laughs> yes. As long as they fight, our earthly part is not regenerate. And when it is not regenerate, the truth we have in our rational part is infertile. As in general, so in every particular, on any issue over which our rational thinking conflicts with our earthly thinking, the truth in our rational mind is said to be barren. And then he continues. The main thing on which the work of regeneration hinges is the effort to bring our earthly self into correspondence with our rational self, Mm -hmm. not only as a whole, but also in particular. And it is through our rationality that the Lord reduces our earthly self into correspondence. His method is to instill goodness into our rational mind, plant seeds of truth in the soil of that goodness, and then through rational truth, reduce the earthly plane to obedience. When it obeys, it corresponds. And the more it corresponds, the more we are reborn. Mm. I love that correspondence theme coming back about like, that's really what it's all about is aligning your outer self with this inner self or that rational mind that has that goodness in it, that that's the whole thing. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And and, uh, it's, it's been haunting me ever since that idea of that that's 
we have an earthly self problem. <laughs> you know, yes. our, our, our rational mind is fine, but, but getting that earthly mind to accord with it. And until then, there's a kind of barrenness because something's trying to be born on the outside and, and it's not happening as long as there's kickback or pushback. What, what's the expression that humans use? Push kick. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think that, that that indicator, that really clear indicator that we're still in the Reformation process when we've got these battles between the inner and the outer mind and that the whole thing is about getting it so that you're in a state where the source of conflict is not between what you know you should be and what you kind of can't help being. I, I love that. I, that's a really good um, shorthand for the whole thing. Yeah. And there's something, it's interesting to think about who is being active and who is being passive when it comes to goodness and truth. Because in the last number, we were reading that like goodness is this receiving ground. And yet, you know, and yet in this passage at first, and this might just be what it is, that the goodness is getting instilled into the truth. Like the goodness feels a little more active and the truth is this infertile part. But then later it said the truth gets planted in the goodness. So it's just interesting that it seems to be jumping all around and it's just, uh, you know, goodness receives truth and yet goodness is also doing something with the truth. Like it is, the truth needs to be receptive of the goodness Anyway, fun thing to sort of uh, a little eddy to whirl in. Yeah, and somehow the truth then comes down and cleans up your outer self. Mm-hmm. It seems like you know. It seems like that. That's how that works. And I do like that because I don't know you know what's going on in in my inner self, but the battle seems not too hard to identify, you know, (laughs) when you're at war with yourself over some issue and there's pushing and shoving and everything like, oh, okay. All right. And I have to stop myself and make sure I don't jump over the idea that truth needs to be planted in goodness. That you have to really be into that kind of idea, you have to have this good impulse or this this good outlook or else you you would never you never value that kind of idea you couldn't you wouldn't be interested in it you wouldn't mm. act on it that's that's a pretty um remarkable insight yeah it's 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 very cool and i have to tell you if you like that you're going to love secrets of heaven volume 4 because that's really <laughs> a lot of what it's about those different levels of the mind and and uh how that goodness works its way into your outer life and and transforms you. Did you just bring us here to sell books to us? Oh, yes. (laughs) And I'll take it from here because Secrets of Heaven Volume 4 comes out in 2022, this year. Oh, yeah. So There you go. By the end of the year. How did we get so lucky? It's it's just, it's awesome. This last uh, quotation is again about the whole process <laughs> he keeps going over the whole thing nice. and gets at the end to kind of a way to tell you know are, are we reborn yet or not and and uh, have we made that shift what's that point at which we're reborn 
And you can always tell he has these little lead-in sentences that I love. So here he goes. He goes, this is how matters stand with the rebirth of spiritual people. There we go. Good. Okay. First, they learn the true ideas that belong to faith. And from then on, the Lord maintains in them a desire for truth. The goodness that faith calls for, which is charity toward their neighbor, is instilled in them at the same time, but in such a way that they hardly realize it, Mm. since it hides within their desire for truth. The purpose is for truth, which belongs to faith, to unite with goodness, which belongs to charity. As time passes, their desire for the truth belonging to faith grows, and they look to truth for the sake of the goal, which is goodness, or to put it another way, life, meaning the way you live, I think, right? This they do more and more. In this way, truth is instilled into goodness, and when that happens, their life becomes steeped in goodness that accords with the truth instilled into it. So they act, or seem to themselves to act, out of goodness. And then here he's got sort of the hinge at the end of the passage. Up till this time, the truth constituting faith is the most important consideration to them. But afterward, the goodness constituting life is, when the two switch, the person has been reborn. Well, yeah, that's a clean switch. I I can, feels like I can understand that, that there's a difference between the urge to, I really want to know how things really are versus I really want to make things better. And mm. I can, well put. it absolutely makes sense to say, yeah, you, you, it, maybe it's easier to get intrigued initially by, w- wait, what's really going on? But there's this sneaky deployment of the feeling of using that to, to be pushing towards good good outcome for the whole human race. And then at some point, that's really what's hyping you up. I, I, let's, mm-hmm. let's make life better. Let's make things better. I've learned that there's, oh, wait, there's a divine design. There's a way that life is supposed to be. And when it's that way, everything gets better for everyone. Let's make life that way. Oh, how mm. do I make life that way? Now I'll go look into my truth and find it. But it doesn't matter. It, it's no longer the most interesting thing. It's just a means to an end. Well, and my reflection won't be quite as a profound as Curtis's because I was just thinking, it seems like Swedenborg is describing like a truth sandwich. Like you've got good bread on either side and truth is sort of in the middle. And that's kind of the goal. Truth sound- sandwich is pretty profound. I like that. With the good. Something about the truth <laughs> being instilled in goodness and then the goodness has the truth inside of it and something was giving me the sense of like an Oreo cookie where like truth is on the inside and... The cookies are goodness. I knew there was a reason I liked Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) It strikes me that one of the keys is to have something in your head when Swedenborg says goodness or truth. If there's something in your mind, as you were saying, Curtis, about helping the human race and and making things better and, and that type of thing, say, oh, I get it now. You know, that that pops. Let's construct that. Can we try to give an example of this where we go from truth to goodness, 
back or can we can we walk down through that with examples? Come on, let's try it. So what what happens first in the truth sandwich? I I don't know if this is the best example, but um, I've been very conscious that when I've learned a musical instrument, um, it seems very truthy to to begin with. There's a desire that's pulling me along and so on, but a lot of it is just, ah, I'm trying to learn how to read music or I, what are these notes and I'm trying to get my fingers to do things and and so on. Um, but then at some point it clicks over. This is just an analogy. Sure. But at mm-hmm. some point it clicks over to where music is just pouring out and I'm not even thinking about is this sharp or flat or what, what key are we in, or, you know? Yeah, uh, something else has taken over, and is using that those folders that were created. Um, so it it seems like that 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 first of all there's a part of that pursuit of truth. I think is there's there's a certain degree of ego, maybe competitiveness or or something mm-hmm. in there. Um, but also, I like the fact that it said that the Lord kind of maintains a desire for it in there. So you have an appetite and you're going for something. Oh, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about this. It's interesting to pair this with the last number that, like this says, the, the things flip, the two switch, and that's when you're reborn. And the last number we just read was how, like, the battle stops. You know, you, you, right. you're not having that battle go on anymore. And that's that's the sense I have in my life is like, I maybe know that something is true and I'm trying to apply it in my life. And it just is never like, I'm feeling that battle going on. But then like something will switch at some point and the reality of the truth becomes so apparent in myself. And I guess I'm not like, I'm not giving you a very specific example, but like, one of the simplest ones and yet it's sort of the largest is like the experience of love like knowing that god loves you i know that and yet there are so many times in my life when i don't feel it mm. and yet there are times when i i have actually realized you know this real sense of like this love is alive inside of me you know like divine love is what is keeping me alive it's what's here and um and when i feel that and the truth of that is like apparent in my experience then there is no more wondering like like then things really start changing it feels like and has felt like in my life where it's like it's that whole no longer questioning whether or not it's true it's like what can we get done now that we know that that's true Mm. and And then like that feels like then that goodness flow starts just happening because then I feel like I can help people more, uh, you know, like it's able to see what is good in a situation because if I know I have this love inside of me, it's helping to clarify those things. And anyway, so I don't know how tangible that is of an example, but it's some way that I feel like I felt it in my life. Well, I think that's great. Because when um, I, I think of the example of Swedenborg, who, you know, once he really got clear about what he was doing, and that took a while, but then pages are just pouring off his pen. 
you know, if you're still in this sort of should I or shouldn't I or, you know, mm-hmm. unclarity phase, you kind of devote a lot of energy to just spinning your wheels. But when you get traction, when you see people who are passionate and they know they're super clear about why they're doing what they're doing, then they just move forward so efficiently and get an amazing amount done. I was talking to a guy who had a near-death experience and he said that one thing that stood out about heaven when he was there is that he said, you can feel that God loves you mm-hmm. when you're there. You can feel that you're important to God. And that totally changes the equation of life because you can, ha- like I have stored up in my memory banks, God loves you and loves everyone. But I still go around looking <laughs> for exactly things that to <laughs> make me feel comforted and make me feel good and hopeful and all this sort of stuff because it does. I don't really feel that moment to moment. But I think if you had, if you felt that, it would it would change your sense of neediness dramatically. Yeah. And what you're saying is just reminding me that part of my process early on too was really being affected by the research that is being done about how like compassion and self-compassion is is something you can train your brain to do better. You know, like you can flex the muscle of compassion uh, in your in yourself through meditation and everything. And that's going to make you a more compassionate person, you know, in your life. And so just recognizing that you can actually grow your brain muscle, or I don't know what to call it, you know, like the brain activity that makes you more loving, like makes you better able to feel that love. So that's interesting, like to perceive it more. Yeah. Looking back to what Jonathan said a while ago about the I, the things you learn and the truth leading you into love. I think Swedenborg's truth, It if you go down that rabbit hole, you end up looking for love. I mean, looking to yeah. act to love because you could start, let's say, pursuing Swedenborg because you're interested in the truth and maybe you think, oh, this is kind of cool. There's this whole world of these fanciful secrets and things and I will learn them the best and become the best wizard there is. <laughs> But as you get in there and start to really learn those truths, you come across these truths that say, you you don't do anything good. All the intelligence you have comes from God. All the things that were before, like composing your hopes to to be exemplary in it, and which you learn more about what the nature of wanting to be exemplary is, that that's Hmm. actually like the devil. Then, uh uh-oh, like I came in here um, thinking that I was chasing that, but now the thing that I used to chase down to here has told me that that's no longer really a prize. It's not (laughs) a prize. So what's left over now that I'm already here is, okay, well, uh, but I am learning that there is such a difference between things being out of order and things being in order. And there is such an opportunity for life to be so much better for people. And God is the one who can do that. So you end up with this just like, well, I want that to happen, which I think is that switch to love. And how how can I play a role in making that happen? Yeah. Mm. That's great. I feel like you, yeah, you have just circled us all the way back to those four stages, like the stages that we started this episode off with. So that's right. 
Do you have any sandwiches, Jonathan? I've got something back here. Yeah, lead us to your stash of Oreos. We know they're in here somewhere. (laughs) I'm ready for a snack. All right, thanks so much, Jonathan. I look forward to doing this again sometime. Always a pleasure. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to Swedenborg.com slash donate. And thank you for listening. <laughs>